In both our scriptures today, we meet people of faith who are in times of profound dislocation. Each is in a place where they absolutely do not want to be. In our first story, we meet Elijah, the fiery prophet, defender of widows and troubler of wicked King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, Israel's unjust rulers. The queen has just promised to have Elijah killed by this time tomorrow. And knowing the king, he has already put out a bounty on Elijah's head. And so a terrified Elijah flees down to the Sinai Desert and is now hiding high up in a desolate cave on Mount Horeb, looking out not over the Susquehanna, but over the desert wilderness of the Sinai. He's in a place of profound dislocation a place where he absolutely does not want to be. And then in our second story, 800 years later, the disciples of Jesus are crossing the Sea of Galilee and find their boat suddenly in a terrible storm, battered by wind and waves. The raging sea, by the way, always in Scripture is a symbol for chaos. Chaos that threatens to engulf their boat and to swallow up themselves or to swallow them up as well. They too, they too are in a place of profound dislocation, a place where they do not want to be. Oh, and dear friends, don't we know that feeling well? Being in a place we absolutely don't want to be? I mean, in our never-ending pandemic, aren't we also in exactly that kind of place? A place of dislocation, separated from our loved ones, separated from celebrating family milestones, separated from gathering in one another's homes inside, and separated from being able to worship with one another now for 22 Sundays in a row. 22. You know, when we see photos of ourselves these days in our old lives, our pre-pandemic lives, gathered with friends, undistanced, unmasked, and unanxious, doesn't it hit home how much we are now in a place we do not want to be? In both our scriptures today, we also see how much our times of dislocation often come with something else. Fear. 
Friends, if fear had a color, yellow, red, or orange, the color in both of these stories would definitely always be bright red. (laughs) I mean, just before today's first reading, Queen Jezebel tells Elijah that she plans to have him killed by this time tomorrow. (laughs) That's what you call a very credible threat. And Elijah is so terrified that he flees down into the Sinai wilderness where he cries out to God in despair. And then, out in the storm of the, on the Sea of Galilee, the disciples' fear is mentioned again and again and again. They are terrified. They cry out in fear. And Peter, when he sees the raging wind, is filled with fear. And he cries out, Lord, save me. Save me. Dear friends, right now in this pandemic that we're in, what is the color of your fear. I don't know about you, but I confess mine most of the time is bright, wet red. Bright red. I mean, think of all the things we're afraid about, worried about, anxious about. Afraid that a family or church member is going to get sick from this terrible virus. Afraid that the bottom's going to drop out on our economy. It sure feels that way. And that our out-of-work neighbors may soon get evicted. We're afraid about the very survival of our democracy. Sometimes it just feels like everything is unraveling. We're afraid that our racism, now exposed is just going to find another way to hide and morph and prosper yet again. And we're afraid these days about our kids' education this fall, aren't we? I know many of our parents are deeply, deeply worried about this and worried also about their the relational and spiritual development of our kids along the way. And we're afraid for our congregation. And that we, as this time gets longer and longer, may lose our sustaining connections with one another. At our Zoom community lifetime this past Wednesday night, we talked about how all of these fears are starting to wake us up and keep us up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Now, fear isn't always a bad thing. It helps us to jump back sometimes from a blazing fire, an oncoming car, or a growling pit bull. Those are good things to get away from. Fear helps us sometimes. It rises up in our lower primitive brain back here. 
and its strength is rapid processing. But its weakness is often accuracy. It rivets our attention on an imminent threat, but often prevents us from seeing the full picture, from seeing everything else, because we're only focused in on one thing. And friends, spiritually, fear can be especially destructive. You know, Scripture tells us that perfect love casts out fear, but isn't the opposite true as well? Perfect fear can cast out our love. And fear is so destructive because it stops us from being creative, being generous, being kingdom, family of God people. When fear takes over, our souls can begin to shrivel. But God's God's good news for us. Friends, there's always good news in the Word. I know that's why you've come here today. Because in our two stories today, we learn that even in our most terrifying times of dislocation, especially when we find ourselves absolutely where we do not wish to be, these times with God's help can also be our most transformational. Times when we can hear God's still small voice more clearly than ever before. For Elijah, God comes to him not in a great wind, not in an earthquake, not in a fire, but in the sound of sheer silence, in a still, small voice, in a gentle whisper. And Elijah then is given the courage to go back to his life and ministry renewed. In the words of our contemporary John Lewis, Elijah is energized to go back to his life to make some good trouble. Good trouble with wicked Ahab and Jezebel. And in our second story, we see a Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who's completely worn out, depleted. Going high, 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 up a mountain to commune with God in prayer. You have to know the context now or the context here, his hometown folks have just rejected him and sent him packing. 
his colleague, John the Baptist, has just been brutally beheaded. And huge crowds are now following him all over Galilee and expecting to be fed. Jesus is worn out, depleted, and needing replenishment and recentering and renewal from God. And in going up a mountain to be alone with God, our Lord is modeling for us the contemplative dimension of the gospel. Modeling for us a silent kind of prayer of receptivity. Not of jabbering to God and telling God what God needs to do, but of opening his hands to receive from God what God knows he needs. He's modeling for us, by the way, our verse for 2020 from Isaiah. In returning and resting in God, you shall be saved. In quietness and trust in God, you shall find your strength. And friends, God's new infusion of love now enables Jesus to go face that storm out on the Sea of Galilee and all the other dark storms that are looming out ahead in his ministry, including the darkest one on Calvary. Dear friends, in closing, let us not miss the good news. In our two stories today, God promises never to leave or forsake us in our times of dislocation and fear. And since God never wants to waste a crisis, God is even wanting to transform these dislocated times that we're in into times for us of special creativity, learning, and growth. So, dear friends, what might God be wanting us to learn right now? As individuals, as families, and as a faith community, as East Chestnut Street Mennonite Church. What is quietly shimmering right now in the storm that we're in, in all of the chaos around us, what is quietly shimmering? Amidst all of the cacophony of our times, the economic gales, the political earthquakes, and the societal fires, let us all keep listening, listening, listening for God's still, small 
voice to cast out our fear and to transform us into love. Amen.